0: hi welcome to digging the only podcast focused solely on infrastructure in the heavy civil construction industry i'm your host taylor mauer senior managing partner at hcrc heavy civil resource consultants in this podcast we explore challenges faced in the industry investigate the effects of politics the economy trends including stories of success and stories of failure it is our goal to provide interesting and informative discussions to help educate heavy civil construction professionals be more successful and to cultivate the industry as a whole. So let's dig in. Today we have Brian Adams, who is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, a full-service employer brand communications agency, an author uh, and Brian, we want to thank you very much for being part of this um, of, of this project.
1: Thanks, Taylor. Thanks for bringing me on.
0: Brian, we I know we're going to focus on employer branding today, and it's something that I'm very passionate about because I've spent so long. I've spent 18 years so far working in the heavy civil construction sector here in the U.S. and Canada, and it is by far, over my entire career, the biggest failure point of, of companies that I work with and being successful and bringing on talent. Uh, they just do not have a message that uh, differentiates themselves from their competition. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm really excited to bring somebody on who who has, yourself, who has focused on this for pretty almost your entire career. I believe you, uh, you worked as a graphic designer for just a bit, but I'm, I'm really interested to, to, to learn how you became passionate about employer branding and got into this business. Yeah. Uh,
1: thanks Taylor. So, um, I I studied marketing, branding and communications. Um, I, I went into design for a little bit, but, um, and I and I loved my job as well, uh, but one day I'd done something wrong, um, and the boss came out. It was an open plan office. There was about fifty people around, and he he put his fists on the on my desk. He leaned in, and he he looked like Bluto from Popeye, if you can imagine. That.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, I can. And
1: <laughs> he leaned in with his coffee breath, and um, he t- he told me off in such a way that it was humiliating. You know, for such a big guy and. So I didn't say anything, but I just stood up. I went home that that night, did a bit of soul searching and just never went back. And the next day I started the company um, and I was just determined to prove that I could build a successful company and and not be a horrible boss. You know, and that was the sort of a light bulb moment of, you know, how important culture is and how important um, the environment of, of you know, the people you work with just just is and, and what it contributes to the quality of your life, you know, so, so it, was a, it was a spontaneous decision to start the, the company. And back then it, it wasn't 100% focused employer brand. It was, um, it was marketing, it was digital marketing. You know, we did, still did print advertising back then. Um, but after a few years, we fell into the recruitment space just purely by chance of getting a, a couple of clients that were in that, that sector. Um, and so it was probably about 12, 11 years ago, we really started to focus. And then 10 years ago, we decided, look, this is this is what we want to do. This is all we want to do. Um, and, you know, it was probably just about the time that the, the term employer branding had, had first been sort of uttered. Uh, so we were one of the first agencies to, to be in the space from that perspective. And um, it was interesting because overnight we differentiated ourselves from you know, one in millions of, of general marketing organizations to probably less than 15 agencies worldwide doing employer brand as a, as a specialty. And we've used that sort of very small niche to, to sort of grow successfully. And now you know, I'm pleased to say that, you know, we're, we're one of the top uh, employer brand
0: agencies in, in the world. So you, you moved from more of a pure marketing graphic design but having a passion about employer brand because you wanted to be a good boss. You wanted to have, uh, to create a company that was unique in its culture and somebody that people were excited to go to, to go to work. Right. And, and, and so it was really something that, that started with, Hey, I want my company to be this way. And then when you, um, as you kind of morphed, you were like, "Hey, we can help other companies define their culture and differentiate themselves," which is uh, which is just really essential to getting top talent, especially in industries where it um, where there's such a shortage.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what was really interesting, Taylor, is because it's a you know a seemingly sort of new industry. What was happening all around us? is there was big organizations uh, lifting and shifting marketing frameworks and just using that consultancy model in this space. And probably from more naivety than anything else, we, um, we did it the, the hard way and we, we built all of our consultancy models and our frameworks from the ground up based on what we could see, not what we could sort of beg, borrow and steal from a different sector. So we, Unbeknownst to us, we were differentiating ourselves from that perspective as well because um, we were we were building new ways to do this. There's a lot of overlap with marketing, but actually, if you think about it from a marketing perspective, if you if you market a product or a service, everybody who shows interest could potentially be a customer, and it's not the same in in, in recruitment. You know, you can be the most intract- attractive employer, but but ultimately, a lot of the time you know, there's 250 people who apply for one job or 50 people apply for one job and you, you, you have to turn away a lot of people, you know. So it's, it's a very different prospect once you get into um, the specificity of what you're trying to achieve. And then, you know, you've touched on it yourself, like the importance of carving out a very well-defined culture and having the, the, um, the confidence to articulate who you are and who you're not. And having the vocabulary to offer a consistent story um, it's just it's it's very rare in a lot of sectors and you know specifically um, I can understand and empathize with with you in, in in your experience it's not something that a lot of organizations have historically gotten right.
0: And I think especially in, in the niche that uh, we specialize in, which is a hard bid contractor, has a hard bid contractor mentality, um, and, and which which essentially means these contractors go out and they bid against each other to win projects. So it's a, a low bid, whoever brings in the low bid usually gets the job. So then it's, it's up to them to drive as much profit out of a lower number. Um, and I think that that really sets the tone for the industry and has been a, a, a real driving force in what has limited um, companies from being able to create uh, create a special culture and, and create an employer brand that is compelling. Um, the other issues that I see that affect the industry are, are – um, in construction, many of the employees are out in the field. So uh, that also affects trying to take a, a culture out of an office and apply it in in, in job sites. It can be very difficult as well. Um, we're, we're looking at most, most of the professionals in, in our industry work 50 plus hours a week. It's just a given. Um, and we see that millennials want to work smart and hard, but not long, they want, they, they want to, they want to balance, uh, they want to find that balance, that work-life balance It's important to them, and so we've been seeing a lot of those, uh, a lot of that generation shying away from getting into contracting, um, and so yeah, it's high-paced, it's often pretty stressful, um, a lot of negotiation, and it's just uh, an industry that's been around for a long time. So that it's steeped in tradition, maybe not the best traditions, but uh, but in tradition itself. So um, have, you, uh, have you worked with companies in, in the construction sector? And, and what is your experience in, in regards to... To working yeah. with those companies so we we've we've worked in a variety
1: of different different sectors you know you know we we don't specialize in construction sector by any means but you know we've we've done a variety of work with all sorts of different organizations and you know taylor what we find is it's just understanding the specific set of circumstances you know, and applying the same models, the same techniques, um, you know, because ultimately if you know the landscape and you know what you're working with, I mean, you were very, very precise, you know, describing the conditions there. And as you were doing so, um, all I could think was, okay, well, that's an opportunity to differentiate. That's an opportunity dif- to differentiate, you know, um, you know. It sounds difficult, um, but if you think about it, you know, over the last 18 months, most organizations have been, you know, a lot of organizations have been 100% office based and then overnight they had to go 100% remote, you know, and, and our industry has, has boomed and thrived because when there's change and transition, there is a need to improve employer brand. In fact, it's, it's more important than, than, than ever. So, you know, the fact that people are working long hours and they're in the field and, you know, it's high stress and it's steeped in tradition and all of those things. For me, they're just they're just the parameters of the job. Um, they're not obstacles that we haven't seen before. And and actually, if if you apply the principles of employer brand, it's actually quite simple to navigate. You know, especially if there's a, a lot of the same in in the industry. A lot of organisations are the same. Then you only need a couple of points of difference. The key is finding the points of difference that your audience really cares about um you know and making connections uh and and using those to inspire and motivate people and remind them why they're doing their job in the first place and it's interesting to talk about millennials as well i think um who was it? It was um, Bill Gates that said, if, if you want to find an efi- a more efficient way of doing something, give it to a lazy person, you know, they'll just find the quickest route between A and B. Now, millennials aren't lazy by any means, but um, but they, they do have a different mindset and there is an opportunity to um, to appeal to, to that generation. In fact, it's essential, otherwise, the you know, the industry starts to wane. Um, but it does require a different way of thinking and therein lies the opportunity, because if you look around and all your com- competitors are still steeped in tradition and still doing things the same way, then it's not going to take much to stand out from the crowd. Uh, it just takes the right application
0: of the right strategy. So that, for me, that sounds like an exciting challenge. Sure, sure. Um, as in the construction industry, heavy civil construction industry, as we may forward, there it continues to be a huge shortage of qualified talent uh there's a there's a predicted shortage for the future um at least here in the states we we're looking at uh a huge investment in in infrastructure which will uh essentially continue to put a vacuum on something that's really not talent that's really not there um and we we talked some about the generational shifts as well, moving from baby boomers to Gen X, um, and, and just what they value, what they're what they're used to, uh, what they're what's important to them. Um, but what contractors really care about is the bottom line, like how can we make money? So. Um, I, again, kind of going back to your experience, I, I know it's really hard to say, well, by investing in your employer brand, you're going to get this much return on investment, but we know that there's a return there. It might be very hard to quantify, but in your experience, what type of return on investment have you seen and have have you had any experience in working with construction clients that it, that you've been able to quantify in any terms or means uh, a return on investment
1: yeah so i mean most organizations will will start out by defining the success criterion and looking for you know what differences are going to make the biggest uh, impact to to every organization you know and if it is time-based if it's finance-based then actually they're the easiest metrics to to put in place and when you look at um, the cost Per vacancy, um, the cost of not having somebody in your business, what you're losing, and you know, from a, a contractor perspective, I'm sure that's an equation that people look at all the time. You know, the time to hire, the caliber of hire, you look at the the turnover rate if you bring somebody in, but they're not the right person or they don't stick around, you know, all of those things are measurable and quantifiable. You know, but if you if you look at the sort of extremity of um of of big corporate business you know you look at bloomberg and now tracking i think it's 15 data points that are um correlating back to to employer brand you know it's it's very much documented it's not even an argument anymore that uh employer brand is is good for business in fact it's essential for business and it comes down to this you know people are the only true competitive advantage left in business because everything else can be bought automated scaled outsourced you name it um you know so getting getting the right people you know the best people it's highly competitive it's not easy but why should it be um, but employer brand is, is definitely the sharp tool to sort of to help you get there it's what it what it isn't is um instant gratification you know an instant quick fix within weeks you know it, it takes time to in, to invest but done right you can certainly see the return on investment within the first uh 12 months i'm trying to think of you know we've we've worked with Scaffolding companies we've worked with, um, trucking companies we've worked with, um, a lot of organisations that is um, a mix of manual labour and skilled leadership, skilled labour. Um, you know, uh, I can't think of specific construction companies we've worked with, but um, but we've certainly I can I can certainly empathise with the the circumstances that you're you're articulating. And it's at the end of the
0: day, it's nothing we haven't seen before. Uh, and you mentioned a time frame. What type of investment does it typically take, both time and uh, monetary, to establish a compelling employer brand? Uh, you mentioned it, it. It. You. You might start to see some changes within about twelve months. Um, and I know that there are probably a bunch of steps that I'd like for you to kind of highlight in regards to what that looks like um, in, in building out a successful, compelling employer brand. But, uh, but in, just in regards to, to time and monetary investment, mm-hmm. do you, can, you give us, can you give us an idea about what you've seen and, and does it depend on the size of the company as to it, it the does. time and, it, and, and monetary investment?
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, we've done employer brand projects from around 50K up to nearly a million dollars to begin with, um, you know, but that that goes up to the sort of the organisations like, uh, like global organisations like Apple, that we, you know, with thousands of people all around the world. So you've got to do research on you know, different continents and different languages and map um, different talent segments that we call personas, um, you know, but, but small companies um you know it you, in in one territory with a, a small number of uh, employees you know it's you know like i say we've done projects from from 50k up and from that perspective it really de- it really depends on the the specific set of circumstances usually there is a strategic requirement to to improve employer brand and there's also a set of fires that need to be put out immediately, you know, so we usually operate on a tactical timeline to, to bring some immediate sort of help to an organization whilst we're working on the the longer burn of, of getting the you know, the, the culture right and the employer brand uh, set off in the direction that's going to give you sustainable results.
0: Okay. And would you say the typical turnaround time, it would be a, around that 12 month period Um no, you mentioned so, putting out some fires more immediately, <laughs> but uh... yeah, we we actually did. I think
1: we were the first agency to do this. We did uh, a, It was a health healthcare company in the US uh, called Magellan Health, and we did their employer brand. It was a hundred thousand dollars in a hundred days, and it was intense because they had a, a few thousand people that we had to sort of listen to, and we did all the research um you know there was a few casualties along the way there was tears before bedtime but you know it was a very intense you know the the one thing that holds us up doing employer brand work is usually the client and we're very upfront about that because uh, it can be like herding cats getting people in a room for us to speak to and you know especially busy organizations with people out in the field and so on and so forth so usually the, the 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 time barrier is speaking to the to the employees themselves, doing the research, the competitor analysis, and all of that stuff is is, is relatively quite quite straightforward, you know. So um, again, depending on the size of the project, it, it can it can vary. Um, you know, our our team, almost similar to sort of your industry, but we're highly skilled, very process driven, very high, highly
0: organized, uh, and usually it's the client that slows us down. Interesting. <laughs> From, from a 20,000-foot view, what are the typical steps needed? That What, what, is the, what does the process look like?
1: So we have um, a 7D uh, process that we walk clients through, whether it's a small project or a big project, we use the same framework. You know, it's, it starts with understanding, determine understanding what success looks like, what are the specific practical circumstances under which we need to work, who are the stakeholders that we need to engage, uh, who in the business we need to bring along, uh, that, that kind of thing. Understanding what the organization is today, but w- the direction of travel, where is the organization going in the future? Because an employer brand can be an authentic representation of today, but if it's not gonna take you where you're going, then it's then it's um, it's not as valuable. So we start by determining what the success looks like. Then we move into Discover, which is the research, and, You know, we need to make sure that there's a a strong representation of every voice in the organization. So it's so it's balanced. You know, that usually involves holding a mirror up to the organization. Sometimes leaders don't like what we find. um, You know, so that's always an interesting um, process. But making sure that we understand what's the difference between the perception versus reality. Sometimes there's just a communication issue in organizations and what they think isn't necessarily the case. So that's always that's always an interesting sort of aspect. From discovery, um, we move into distil. So, you know, what's noise and what are the real insights? What are the, the correlating common themes across the organisation that we can really harness and start to call the heart and soul of the, of the company? And, you know, what values, behaviours and principles are in the company today that will be in the company forever? You know, what, what isn't welcome from a behavioural perspective and what's missing you know and then we move into direct which is strategy we put all of those pieces together so that's the roadmap of what functionally that the work needs to do and we write all the creative briefs from a communication perspective and the next d is develop so that's when we bring it to life you know we start to present back to the organization and say hey this is this is a potential solution this is um this is the direction we need to, to go and we believe and you know talking about the stories that we've unearthed, how we're gonna um, present an EVP, which is uh, an employee value proposition. And that's, that's interesting because a lot of organizations will give you a broadcast version of an EVP, which is a one directional message. And what we do is we, we articulate very clearly at this stage, the give and get. So that, that's the title of um, the book that I wrote came out last year. Um, give and get employer branding. And, and what where we find that we, we gain most traction is, yes, this is what the organization has to offer, but this is what you have to be willing to give in return, you know, the sacrifices, the commitments, the harsh realities, the adversities and challenges. And that enables us to put a message out there confidently that articulates your organization. Um, but the interesting thing is, it will actually repel more people than it compels. And it sounds counterintuitive at first, but when you think about the time you waste by just being attractive and people apply for a job who actually haven't got what it takes, they're not going to find success, they're not going to thrive, all the time you waste speaking to people that aren't um, a good match for your organisation. This this is designed to go out with a message that really speaks to the right people for the job. And in a cutthroat industry where you need high calibre and you're a high-functioning machine that people need to fit into, what we find is that's absolutely essential to do that. And you have to be comfortable and confident with the fact that not everybody is right for your organization. So that stage of development, bringing it to life, is is obviously um, where you start to see that return on investment Diagnose is where we put the metrics in place. That takes us back to the starting point of, of determine what did we say were the success factors and how are we going to measure success going forward. And those metrics, you know, 60% always the same, 40% designed specifically for the organization and, and, and what we agreed uh, we need to get to. And then we've got um, deploy. So that's when we we activate, we bring it to life, and we start to deliver the return on investment in, in the organization. So it's a <laughs> it's a lot. That's our process in a, a very sort of um, abbreviated whistle stop tour, but but it works. Um, you know, it's um, it's a it's the same framework we've used for Apple and American Airlines and you know small organizations that we work with as well.
0: Um. So it, it, the deployment is—that's where you're actually you're communicating this to the masses. That this message, this employment employer brand, the employment value proposition. And another question for you: You mentioned kind of the employment value proposition and how a company usually delivers kind of the singular message. Do, often, do you find that the employment value proposition changes? with the position or the person that you're uh, that you're actually trying to attract into the organization?
1: So that's a really good question. That's why we do persona mapping. And a persona is nothing more than a particular segment of your talent audience. So, for example, um, uh, a driver m- will have a different set of requirements, needs, and preferences and priorities than a foreman. Um, or a senior manager, or you know something of, of that nature. So it's not changing the message; it's knowing what to dial up and dial down to resonate the most with with the different segments of your audience, and and that's an essential part. The agility of the of the frame of the communications framework is is really important there, because you know you need to demonstrate empathy of understanding people's circumstances, what motivates them the most, what's going to turn them on, what's going to turn them off. So having um, a, a, an arsenal of, of tools that will allow you to really speak to individuals um, from their perspective, that's where the rubber hits the road.
0: And in, in the deployment, um, how, how, have you, how do you successfully find your audience?
1: Good question. So we always say that you start internally, re-recruit the talent you've got, you know and it, because if they don't buy into it then you know you've you've got a problem so all we'll, like right the way through the process you know we'll sort of validate and, and quality check by testing messaging on the team that you that you have you know and it's a it's a great place to start because what that allows you to do is get reactions it it, it cultivates opportunity to, to get stories from your internal team and that's great content to take externally so people We'll trust brands to a certain extent, but that is actually trending down. Um, if we can use the voice of your employee, then people trust people. And you can take those messages externally. And, you know, what you're looking for there is purpose-told stories that represent the pillars that you've identified that sort of support your employer brand. You know, if you can have a content calendar of stories that, you know, represent each one of those pillars. And when you go to the marketplace, you've got authentic evidence that what you're saying as a brand, as a company is true and the context of how that shows up in different aspects of the organization really helps shine a light on what it might be like to work in your organization, and specifically in the seat that you're contemplating applying for.
0: And and speaking of companies kind of realizing where they're at and what their reputation is, I know that there is a, uh, a popular site here in the States. I don't know if, if you guys use it much on across the pond, but it is uh, called Glassdoor, which uh, gives the opportunity for current and former em- employees to talk about their experience working for an organization. Um <laughs> Are there, if a company wants to kind of say, okay, well, where are we at? Would, are the, do you have any other suggestions? And would you say that, are, are you familiar with Glassdoor? Is that uh, maybe a, an accurate representation of, of that might might uh, give a company an idea about where they're at?
1: It certainly does give a company, uh, people an idea of, of where they're at. I know Glassdoor very well. Um, they're a global organization, certainly in the UK. I spend most of my time in San Diego now. That's where I am now. So uh, from from a US perspective, I know how, how important it is for for US companies. And the interesting thing about Glassdoor is it's a piece in the puzzle. And you know, a lot of a lot of comments on Glassdoor um, are um, that either very positive or very negative. Um, usually, you find people aren't particularly motivated. To go to Glassdoor and give an average perspective because they've been motivated by, you know, an emotional set of circumstances. So usually it's highly positive, high, highly negative. What it is, what it is allowing, it's a platform to give a, a neutral perspective or a third party perspective. So people do trust it and use it. And it's certainly part of the recruitment landscape. Now, if you only have Glassdoor as a representation of what it feels like to work in your organization, then I would say you're in dire need for an employer brand, because what you want to do is you want to own or influence that conversation. And those, you know, the articulating what it's like to work in your organization should be better represented on your own career website than somewhere else, wherever that is. That said, glassdoor can be a very useful tool if it's if it's monitored and managed correctly. You know, so it's part of the mix. Um, it's a good indicator. Um, you know, but but quite often it it's, it misses the mark in terms of the context and justification of why people are feeling how they're feeling. And if if we look at the construction industry, which can be a harsh environment to say the least, high pressure demanding um quality of work relentless hours um very competitive it's really important to lean into the harsh realities and adversities that people find but what's more interesting taylor is then asking questions and getting stories of okay so so why do you do it what's you know why why is it worth it to you what's the upside And usually when people talk about the challenges and the difficulties, they'll have a story of achievement. So it's not, it's not the goal, but it is X marks the spot in terms of where to dig, to find the goal. Uh, And the goal is great stories of, well, you know, I was doing this. It was super difficult, uh, I'm constantly under pressure. And, you know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know how to achieve this. I had to learn on the spot. I had to rely on people around me, you know, however, um, this is what happened, this is how I moved through it, this is what I learned, and this is how I felt afterwards. A story of achievement, uh, of growth, of appreciation, of pride and passion, that's what puts the harsh realities and the set of circumstances into context, and people can listen to those stories and think, uh, either, oof, I couldn't possibly do that in a million years, It's it's not worth the grind. But then some people would listen to the same story and say, I think I'd get a sense of achievement uh, out of that. I think that challenge uh, motivates me to be a better person or I can rise to that challenge. So that's the type of thing that you're looking for. If you just rely on things like Glassdoor, you miss the opportunity to fully articulate what it's like and why it's worth doing what people do to thrive. And that story gold exists in every organisation, by the way. I've never been in a company and not found pure gold from a story perspective, that you know is is so powerful to take externally to find more people.
0: That's uh, that's a great perspective. There there's a there is a story in every company, mm-hmm. and you just have to find it, and and then be able to articulate it as to how the how the culture the entire culture of the company influences that story. Mm-hmm. Um. COVID. Obviously, it's huge. It's been huge. And it affected so many industries. Um, I mean, it's really probably touched the lives of everyone on this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, We saw that it did help some of these companies embrace partial remote work not necessarily of course not for the field-based guys but for other management positions and um we've been seeing trends where uh, companies have been bringing people back into the office or have implemented um uh, continued partial uh remote work uh how how has that affected employer branding um what what other aspects of employer brand has COVID affected in your view?
1: So it's an interesting one. You know, first of all, like they say, true character is revealed under pressure. You know, so a lot of people have found out exactly who they work for over the last 18 months, you know, how much empathy and compassion uh, they've shown for their people. And even in times of great vulnerability and weakness, we've seen you know companies like Airbnb have had to make like mass layoffs they've done it with um, dignity and grace such that their brand sentiment actually increased you know people felt for them and and, you know even in their moment of weakness people looked at Airbnb and their brand sentiment was such that you know what a great company what a great leader you know there's been organizations that have thrived during COVID um, that have made cuts um, and release people via text message and been super heartless that have been lambasted in, in media. You know, so um, we've seen you know, whenever there is volatility and change, there is always an opportunity to widen the gap between the front runners and the, you know, the, 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 the competitive pack, if you, if you like. And it comes down to this. It comes down to you know, how much do you value your people? And if your employer brand suddenly dissipates and doesn't work, because people aren't in the same four walls, then it probably wasn't strong enough to begin with. In fact, you know, stress testing an employer brand and um, under great pressure and change, it's um, been a very interesting sort of mass social experiment for us seeing how it sort of plays out. And, and for us, you know, even at our company, there's, there's about 80 of us, you know, we haven't seen each other for two years. But we would all say that we feel closer now than we did two years ago, um, you know, and, um, and that's because we know who we are. We know um, in great times of change, we know what isn't going to change, which is our principles and our values, our behaviours, uh, our routines. It's made us think harder and longer about how, how each other feels um, in, in this set of circumstances. People have pulled together um, much more. And we've seen that, sort of radiate throughout our, our organization. A lot of our clients, you know, from a global perspective, um, have seen exactly the same thing. You know, we've taken on new clients that ha- haven't had any employee brand whatsoever and have to move rapidly. Um, you know, so every organization has their different set of circumstances, but we've all been galvanized by this rapid need to face into this this global pandemic and and deal with it. And it's been super interesting to watch transformations that might have taken three or four years in some circumstances take three months out of necessity you know and um yeah we've we've seen a whole whole set of different circumstances across the board um but those organizations who really care about their people who are focused on doing right by their people those are the organizations that are emerging stronger uh, from
0: covid not weaker and um, would, would you say that the remote work has been uh, a part of, of companies embracing and bringing that into their culture? Is that a part of employer brand and culture, the the ability to work remotely? Is that something you would consider uh, as a, a strong part of a message or so is are so many employees or potential employees so used to having that option now um that it's not effective
1: well at the moment we're seeing this global phenomenon they're calling it the great resignation where people are starting to just resign and leave in droves like you know there's great organizations that are losing great people and they're left scratching their head they don't know what what they could do and you know it's it's causing chaos across the world we're seeing this it's a it's a global phenomenon what's happening is people are sort of sat at home doing their job perfectly well contemplating life you know and they're having epiphanies left right and center of wow I don't need to do the commute um I can I can balance my life differently I can spend more time with the kids I can go to yoga at 10 a.m if I get up and do my work at 5 to 8 a.m like you know the flexibility um, so, so the mindset of people has shifted, and organisations are being forced to um, to shift their thinking to to keep up with that now as as well. And there's a lot of a lot of efficiency and benefit to business there. You know, the key is taking the new motivations and uh, preferences and priorities of your people, and overlaying it with the opportunity of efficiencies uh, or you know logistical opportunities or, or what have you or just compromise and accept that if you are more pliable to towards what um, your people want uh, it's an opportunity to find better caliber people who are looking for exactly those sets of circumstances and, and that's what's happening you know there's, there's a lot of organizations experimenting at the moment like with okay we're fully remote and we will be for you know the foreseeable some organizations are saying look you know you can work from home three days a week and you've got to come in on a monday and friday some people like that some people don't um i think it's fair to say organizations are feeling their way through this um my advice is just to listen to your people and if in doubt be over generous because if you're not there will be a competitor out there that's more empathetic to the situations and scenarios of your people and they'll take them from you
0: that's really good advice um it, we mentioned a glass door about listening to your people or, or, or former employees. I mean, because really when it comes down to it, an employer brand uh, doesn't just consist of, of your current employees. It is, uh, an employer brand is made from previous employees, current employees and future employees, correct? So, so, but in regards to hearing your current employees, is there a, a, a suggestion that you have uh, that you take to your clients? Obviously, I think you guys would would actually go out there and interview these people in great detail. But uh, do you have advice for companies that um, that maybe don't have that communication two-way communication set up as to how that they they can like right now implement that into their business in in a very simple way that is non-threatening to their current employees oh yeah absolutely i mean the key is reaching out
1: and listening and if you ask the right questions that are obviously designed to better understand people um, and you understand you articulate the context of why you're asking you know we're looking to improve we want to listen we want to support we want to galvanize our people together so we can achieve more, better things together. It can be a very positive message indeed, um, especially in those organizations that have never been listened to before. Um, you know, so it's it's not necessarily uh, how you do it. The important thing is to start doing it. You know, you could use SurveyMonkey, you know, put out a few questions, uh, just pulse your, pulse your team, start by asking people a few questions, um, and the biggest piece of advice I can give you around that is it can be very demotivating to ask some questions that offer some hope that, that show signs of being listened to, and then not feedback the findings, you know, that feedback loop with your people um, is vital. So people feel heard and then they can see progress. Now progress doesn't happen overnight, but keeping people in the loop and talking to them about decisions that you've made because of what you've heard can be a great way to instantly improve morale and uh, extend loyalty. So people who are thinking about leaving, it might just sort of give you a stay of execution for for a few vital months. And then, you know, if you take action and people can see a conviction to change and improve based on what they've fed in, then that can be transformational for any organization.
0: So transparency. Transparency is essential. Um, you you want the feedback loop. And without transparency, there is no feedback loop. Yeah, exactly. So a company is interested in being different, creating an, a compelling employer brand. I'm, every company that we work with is uh, is interested in this. Um, we only we see very there. We see a few very large companies that have really worked on an employer brand, but m- even many of those have even more recently kind of lost sight of of that. I think, um, and and part of that I think is just due to the uh, cycles in construction. You know, there's there are a lot of projects oh, where we're in kind of shrinkage mode. The need for talent isn't isn't as great. Therefore, we don't invest in our pl- employer brand at this time. Um, but if, if a company wants to, to dip their toe and find out more, what is the best way to do that? I think you mentioned that you, you've got this new um, landing sprint course that you're yes, doing so- here. Yeah, that might be
1: an interesting place to start. It's a couple of hundred dollars and it takes two weeks to go through uh, an employer branding uh, learning course. And we call it a sprint just because it's fast paced. It's, it's not an academic course. You know, where you have got to take something for six months. And, so, you know, um, this is, it's um, practical models and strategy that people can pick up and use in their business the same day, you know um so that can be found at ph-creative.com um you know and it's part of the reason i wrote the book last year taylor you know we've written this down and given it out to the world our vision is everybody loves their job you know and we can't achieve that by one client at a time you know so we we want to see organizations adopt our strategies and frameworks to to, better improve their organizations but the spring course is a great way to do that it's made up of it's um, it's made up of 80 percent sort of pre-recorded videos and 20 percent live sessions where you get to talk to us and ask questions and interrogate the models and discuss with the, the community of delegates as well. So it, it gets a it gets a very good name. And interestingly, we've had the folks from Glassdoor do the uh, do the sprint course and they got a lot from it as well. So, um, you know, take take from that what
0: you will. And is this uh, is this something where it's uh, a couple hours a day investment over two weeks or is it we're looking at eight hours, eight hour, five days?
1: Oh, no, it's it's designed for busy people, you know, uh, with hectic schedules. So uh, there's four modules. There's probably a couple of hours per module. And then you get an extra week at the end to submit an assignment and get accredited uh, as an employer brand strategist. So all in all, it's probably about twelve hours, uh, twelve to fifteen hours, dependent um, over the, a period of, of
0: two to three weeks. Okay, great. We will include that uh, that link in the credits, as well as a link to your book. Given get what? Um, tell tell me a little bit about about taking that on. I had had you ever written a book before?
1: It's my second book. I wrote another book called Getting Goosebumps, which is about um, emotionally connecting with your audience from a, a marketing and talent attraction perspective. But we, um, I co-authored Give and Get Employee Branding with uh, my now wife, um, we actually worked together a few years ago, and we share the same sort of ethos and philosophy. And it, we brought we brought the book out on the seventeenth of March, um, twenty twenty, which is possibly the worst time in history to launch a book. <laughs> However, also possibly, you know, the, you know when when the world needed it the most. Actually, from a from a business perspective, obviously there's you know greater sort of um, aspects of COVID that pales this into insignificance. But um, the principles. The principles in the book are designed to help organizations, whether they're shrinking, whether they're growing. um, You know, it's about understanding your your culture, understanding the reputation you need as an employer to drive the organization forward. It helps. um, It lays out step by step how to cultivate and craft a proposition, a two way proposition of what you've got to give and what you'll get in return. And then we walk through some uh, ideas and and ways to sort of map out the experience, the talent experience. And Taylor, as you sort of rightly point out, you know, this isn't just about your employees and current candidates. This is about, you know, everybody who touches your brand, including your your alumni, um, which is a very powerful, um, largely untapped opportunity to amplify your brand and extend brand reach to find um, more people in the marketplace. And and actually, I predict the uh, investment in your alumni community is probably going to pay off over the next 10 years and prove to be the single most valuable um, place to invest from an employer brand perspective, actually. Uh, but, but there's a lot in the book. Uh, it's, it's valuable. We, we, we wrote it to be very practical that people can sort of pick up, dip in and out of and use day to day to improve the uh, employer brand of their organisation.
0: Great. Yes, we'll include a link to the Sprint course. We'll include a link to your book um, in the credits, and a link, of course, to your website. And um, it, is there anything that uh, that we didn't touch on that you feel just really passionate about that you feel should be mentioned uh, that we didn't cover?
1: I think I think we I think we touched on most things, but I guess um, you know. The one thing that's still missing in the employer brand industry is um, is this idea of of, a, of reputation, but being very specific about the reputation that you want to build as an employer. There's a misconception that you just organizations just need to be more attractive, or actually we think you know that's that's counterintuitive. So I would I would offer the advice of thinking about what type of organization. You are, what type of organization do you need to be in the future? What reputation in the marketplace is going to get you there quickly? And what we're finding now um, post-COVID is, we call it the three Cs. There's three different types of reputation that you can start to anchor to. The first is um, your culture, which is synonymous with employer brand, you know, how it feels to, to, to work in your organization. The second is career catalyst. So if you can forge a reputation to be a career catalyst, a talent accelerant, you know, in the construction industry that might be um, very sort of prevalent. If you have a reputation, if I put two years into your company, it makes me more employable. It will, I'm gonna progress through the ranks quicker. I can get paid more. I can go on and work for a much bigger organization. That's a very powerful reputation to cultivate. And the third one, which has always been there, but has been a less priority and now is emerging as a very big priority, is this the the final C, which is citizenship. People are choosing where to work based on the citizenship of your organization. And that can be the diversity you have in your organization. It can be how you treat your supply chain, how you ethically source um, materials, the integrity of leadership. the impact you make on the environment, all of those things, you know, you touched on millennials now more, more than ever millennials care about these things. And it's a big factor in the decision-making when choosing where, where to work. And I think officially millennials rule the world in one or two years, you know, so we really need to take this seriously. That generation is just reaching the age of 42, I think, um, for the first time. So, you know, the, we, we need to listen and, um, and evolve and change our mindset based on the generations that are coming up, you know. So I think going full circle to your point earlier on, I'll leave it there, but uh, definitely something to, to consider um, and factor in if you're thinking about uh, building an employer brand.
0: Uh, all great points. The three Cs, culture, career catalyst, and citizenship um brian thank you very very much for your time and um yeah I, I i hope to work with you in the future and um and yeah we'll we'll uh, have all the information all your contact information up for uh for the companies that work in our niche to be able to contact you and get in touch great thanks taylor i really enjoyed the
1: conversation
0: Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Have a great morning. And if I knew you were in San Diego, I wouldn't have uh, suggested a a 6 a.m. morning. I'm just a few hours, a few hours north of you.
1: (laughs) Don't worry about that. My dogs get me up at 5 a.m. So I'm, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed.
0: (laughs) Great. We'll go let that puppy out. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Brian. Have a good day. Thanks, Taylor. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you found this episode of Digging interesting. I will ask just one thing of you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends and colleagues. We welcome your feedback and ideas for future podcasts and guests. To connect with us, please email me at taylorm at hcrc.us. We want to thank everyone who contributes to the making of Digging, including Lucas West on sound design, Josh Roberts for the kick-ass music, and our clients for making it possible for us to fund this idea and make it a reality. And one last plug. If you are in need of exceptional talent capture in the heavy civil construction industry or consultation regarding the future of your career in the industry, please visit www.hcrc.us or contact us at 828-515-4272. Thank you, and we'll see you soon for the next episode of Digging.